It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. It is time for the week, midweek, not weekend, it's regular season, the midweek mailbag here on the Locked On Bengals podcast where we take your questions and we answer them for the better part of the podcast. Before we dive into the mailbag, James, just a a quick piece of news. The Bengals practice squad protections are available. They protected four players again this week. Rennell Wren, Trayvon Henderson, James, the other two. (laughs) I was not ready for that, but Mason Shrek and Keaton Sutherland wasn't ready at all. James, the other two. What? It's a a team effort here. That was was Tom Glavin in his prime. Strike three. You know, I'm out of here. Um, by the way, the other thing, uh, Twitter's being dumb. So if you notice, the Locked On Bengals Twitter account is suspended. Uh, it's nothing we did. So stay following it because it's going to be back soon. And we're working with the, you know, the higher, 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 highest ups, you could say, uh, to get it fixed. But uh, th- that'll be um, fixed. And in the meantime, you can follow us at James Erpine and at Jake Lisko. Good plug. While we're making plugs, another good another good opportunity to remind you, if you're on YouTube, hit the thumbs up if you like what we're doing. Hit the subscribe button if you want to get those notifications. Hit the bell. If you're listening on an audio platform, follow the podcast and get it anywhere you listen to your podcast. And that helps we us. We really appreciate it. it. Now that uh, yeah. the Bengals are winning some games, the, uh, the podcast is doing some crazy numbers, numbers we've never seen before in the regular season. So we really appreciate the support. And if you're new, we're five days a week. So uh, please do follow along if you like what James and I are doing. James, before we dive into the listener questions, I have one question for you before we get into the oh. mailbag. As you know, yeah. I booked my ticket to Cincinnati for week four yesterday. I have three restaurant stops that are for sure happening at least once skyline chili jeff ruby's precinct and uh soda i really want to try soda people have talked it up so much i love italian food what one other place do i have to get to if you could only pick one you like chicken wings i I like wings yeah i like wings like or love like do you like you love some good wings yeah okay then Knockback Nats has the best wings in the city, maybe the best wings in the state. Cause I, you know, I've frequented uh, Cleveland over the past couple of years and I have a bunch of friends in Columbus and I've been there recently too. So Knockback Nats would be one. And if you're going to Soto, uh, Boca is right next to Soto. I believe they're owned by the same. And I was recently at Boca, more recent than Soto, but since I've been back, I've gone to both. Me personally, I think I might like Boca better. So it's, it's really close. They're both great. Um, but those would be two places. They're both downtown. Knockback Nats obviously is a different 
you know, it, it's like a sports bar, but it's got uh, the best wings. They're grilled. They're, they put the sauce on the side, and they are just bomb. And it doesn't just go for you. It goes for anybody coming in town over the next few weeks or months for Bengals games. I got a lot of different barbecue places. I asked Twitter today. I crowdsourced, of course. I do like yeah. barbecue. I do recall there being some pretty good barbecue in Cincinnati. The, the real challenge is going to be how do I not eat Skyline for every free meal? Like you think about it, like one of those dinners, we're going to be at Paul Brown Stadium for Thursday night football. Uh, Wednesday night, I don't know if that's going to be free or not. James and I are going to be working on doing some sort of event when we're both in the same city for the first time uh, in a very long time, probably. We've probably both been in the city of Cincinnati before at the same time. Uh, but we're going to do some sort of event, hopefully, when I'm in town, and that'll be before the game. So there will be a few free meals. The challenge will be not going to Skyline for those meals. But James, let's dive on in to our mailbag questions here as I look to my other screen and get our questions pulled up. The first question we'll take today comes from Finland, or at least a Finnish Bengals fan, the Finnish Bengals fan, in fact, at Huday underscore FI on Twitter would like to know why the Bengals or if the Bengals should be considered favorites against the Bears this week. Well, they aren't technically, right? It's a three-point line right now, according to betonline.ag as we record this uh, on Tuesday night. But I will say this. It's at Soldier Field. And the way betting lines work usually is it's three points for the home team. So last week when the Vikings uh, – and I saw them, they were up three or three and a half. They were favored by three or three and a half. And the Bengals were at home. That's brutal because that's saying on a neutral field it would be around six or six and a half. In Minnesota, it would be nine, nine and a half. And, and so in this instance, really all it's saying is, is that the Bears and the Bengals, they feel like they're evenly matched, but the Bears are at home, so they get three points. And so, yeah, they're favored, but – I think you're onto something, Finnish Bengals fan, because to me, you look at these teams, who has the better quarterback? I think the Bengals, and I don't think it's necessarily that close. Even if Justin Fields plays, I still like Burrow better than Fields, even though there's more unknown there. It's not like the Bengals' offensive line is the only crappy offensive line, right? And I'm not saying the Bengals' offensive line is crappy, but that's the perception, right? Uh, and, and so we'll see about that, but they might actually have the better offensive line, and I think it's fair to say they do have the better offensive line. Obviously, we know what this Bears defense is, probably better, at least on paper, than the Bengals' defense, but it's close. So, to me, yeah, I think they should be favored slightly. And coaching-wise, by the way, Matt Nagy, just as many question marks, if not more, with him when, when compared to Zach Taylor and company. So, I think it should be close, and that's why you're seeing the three. Basically, what Vegas and the odds makers are saying is, hey – on a neutral field, these teams are evenly matched. The game's at Soldier Field. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if that line falls a little bit uh, with the way this offense played last week, specifically uh, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, that connection with Joe Mixon. And just the injury situation with the Bears' offensive line doesn't help anything. They lost two left tackles after they were already down a left tackle after they let Charles Leno walk in the offseason. So... There's that. There's also, you mentioned the bet online three point spread, just the money line. It's like the closest money line in the NFL, just straight up. So the way that the markets see this game is the closest of the week, at least right now. So that is worth noting. And look, the, the thing that the Bengals have to prove to the markets, if they want to be road favorites in a game like this against a team, that's like 
relatively close to them on paper in a lot of ways. Very, very similar team to the Vikings in a lot of ways, right? But probably with a worse quarterback and a worse running back. Similar strengths, similar weaknesses. The Bengals need to be a little bit more consistent. If they had gone out against Minnesota last week and they scored that additional touchdown in in the fourth quarter or in the third quarter, you know, if, if Joe hits Mike Thomas on that corner route that he throws just a little bit too far in front of him or Mike Thomas doesn't flatten his route out enough, one of those two things happen, um, you know, that, then the game is a much more convincing win. Maybe that moves the markets a point or two. But it does take a little bit of time for these these things to happen. And it's hard to imagine that the Andy Dalton-led Bears are leading a lot of optimism in the markets. I, I would imagine that like some of this is speculation that Justin Fields is going to start. And like there's some of that every week baked into the Bears and, and baked into the odds given to the Bears. It's like, oh, Justin Fields might play this week, might surprise mm-hmm. somebody. And James, we've gotten through one listener question. And my question for you, and it's time to get to the rest of the questions coming up in a minute. Bet online is the number one spot to go for all your sports betting. We just use them right there, right? If you think the Bengals are going to kick the crap out of the Bears this week, well, then you might as well go to betonline.ag, make that first deposit, and make some money while you watch the Bengals do exactly what you think they're going to do. And it's not just the Bengals. It's all pro in, co- uh, in NFL football, uh, in college football as well. So maybe you think the Bearcats are about to run through the Hoosiers this week. Or you think they're going to run through Notre Dame in a few weeks. And I hope you're right, by the way. Then you can bet at betonline.ag. So you can use your mobile device or use your laptop or PC and sign up today and you're going to get a 100% welcome bonus. That's one zero zero. Whatever you put in, they're going to give you 100%. That's free money. Take advantage of it by using promo code NFL100. So throw in 50 bucks, use promo code NFL100. Now suddenly you're going to have $100 to work with at betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. James, I'm going to jump down our list of questions a little bit here because we have a question that is very related to the concept we just talked about with home field advantage. And the question was specifically about the home field advantage that was present in Cincinnati mm-hmm. On Sunday, Alan Hollinger asked, how big is a new and improved home field advantage for the Bengals? Do you think that the Bengals would have still won that game on a neutral field? And much has been made 
of the Bengals home crowd by Bengals players and coaches alike in the season opener. I still think they, it's tough. I mean, you could argue that they wouldn't have won it. Right. But I I think they outplayed the Vikings and it shouldn't have came down and been as close as it was right now. Did the crowd have a, a role in that? Absolutely. I also think the fact that the Vikings haven't played in front of fans really in general, like a packed stadium, since 2019, I think that matters too. And Zach Taylor really hammered that home when we talked to him last Friday before the game. He's like, look, their center hasn't heard a full packed house yet because last year he didn't deal with it. And he wasn't started two years ago. And I think he's a second year guy or, or he just wasn't playing. And, and Zach, so, Zach got that wrong. Zach got that wrong. Did he? He, he did play. He played in the Superdome, I think, a couple of years ago in a playoff game. He, he's in his third year. So Zach got it wrong. It was a whole thing on Twitter today. But anyway, continue. Oh, e- either way, it worked. Yeah. Like e- either way, the crowd. I mean, they were it was ridiculous. I was shocked at how many false starts on the first drive. Yeah. That I mean, Mike Zimmer must have yanked his hair out and wanted to just drive to Verona where he has his ranch and just throw back all the beers he had. Like that's how frustrated he probably was with his team. So would they have won still? Probably, but I'm not trying to take anything away from you, the fan that cheered your ass off. And it was a great environment. I thought, I thought you were really loud. Um, At the same time, I think when it was gut check time for the Bengals and it was 24, 21 and then 24, 24, they did a good job of responding and kind of showing everybody in attendance that uh, they weren't going to go away and that they were going to make the plays needed uh, to win the game. There's a, there's a group of guys that I play video games with online, a couple of them that I know in person that live in my town, and then some people that they play games with from Indiana. And one of those yeah. guys in that group happens to be a Bengals fan, listens to our podcast, and he sent me a message today. And he's like, I, I hope the crowd is loud. He's, he's also going to the game in week four. He's like, I hope the crowd's loud. The, you know, the bank, you know, we, we generally don't have a loud crowd. I'm like, man, from what I heard, the crowd noise was, was crazy in that home opener. And like the, the evidence is in the proof is in the pudding, right? Like the Vikings had to go to a silent count. They tried to go with a normal count. They couldn't do it. They kept false starting like five, six times. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it mattered for sure. If the Vikings don't have that awful first half with like 70 holding penalties and another 50 false starts, you know, that game might go a little bit differently. And instead it gives the Bengals a chance to get out in front and manipulate the game script into their favor. And yeah, they, they could have closed the game better. They should have closed the game better. A lot of those old, you know, bad habits, I would say about closing games still there. I would still like to see that get better, but you know, they had a chance to put the game away and, you know, get one more first down third and four. You have to run the, you know, you didn't have to run the ball there. They could have thrown the ball there, but they chose to run the ball there. You get a first down, the game's over, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe you're not even in that situation if your crowd doesn't get you out to that start. So I I do think the crowd was great and deserves some credit for sure for game one. No doubt. I I totally agree with you. And uh, you brought up fourth down. That is a perfect segue into Boomer Drew's question says, I believe there's a distinct difference between aggressive and stupid. I believe you know where he's going. The fourth and one on our own 30 was stupid. And it looks like a good portion of the team felt the same way as it changed the course of the game. Your take. And part of that, I think he was referring to Jesse Bates saying, you know, Bates was like, yeah, I was pissed off when Zach decided to go for it on fourth and one. 
And look, I, I understand it. And I think Boomer's being blunt. He's also right because there is a fine line bet- between aggressive and stupid. And I disagree with the call at the time. Was surprised that they actually did it. I listened back to the radio broadcast. Dan Orton and Dave Lapham were also surprised that they actually snapped the ball and they weren't just trying to get the Vikings to jump off sides. And I think if you're going to do that, it's already stupid. But if you're going to, right, it's crossed the line of aggressive and, and it's just, you have all the momentum. They haven't done crap to you, right? All day long, really, offensively, you've been able to contain this offense outside of a couple bad apple plays literally and and so i would have punted but if i was going to go for it and this is the part i think zach is going to get and does understand he said it after the game if you're going to do that you're going to have to be more creative because the defense is going to be ready because it completely it opened the door for them to come back and potentially steal the game and they damn well did near did and so that's the part of it where zach being a coach that hasn't won, being a young coach still, and now finally having a team that I think he, and he might not admit this, but for the first time feels like he can win, he's going to learn. And I think he's going to need, he's, I'm confident he's going to learn from that and make that adjustment. And there are certain things that I I would say, oh, it's up in the air. That's not one of them. I don't think you're going to see Zach cross that line too many more times from aggressive to stupid. You can still be aggressive, without doing that and, and going for the kill and winning 42-7, to seven, I think he threw out there during his Monday press conference. So well, whatever the case is, I get what he was trying to do. It was just a little too Madden-esque for real life. There, there's a situation in the game where you go for it from your own 30 when you're winning. Uh, that situation is either later. Well, it is. It's later in the game. So Joe Goodberry by the way, like the decision to go for it from their own 30. I don't dis- I, I don't agree with Joe there, but he points out that Bill Belichick once went for it from, you know, his own 28 or something up six points. Uh, but there's only three minutes left in that game. You punt the ball there. Big difference. You're, yep. the, the other team's just going to go down and score. You know, they're going to go two minute offense. They're going to go down and score or not, but the field position doesn't really matter. And so this is a difference, right? You're doing it in the third quarter. You're doing it from the 30. So for me, if you want to do something like that in the third quarter, be closer to midfield. Even if it's 10 yards, yep. if you're doing it from the 40. Or if, no if they doubt. give Jamar Chase a better spot and it's, you know, fourth and a half yard instead of fourth and a full yard. Because I, I did think they gave him a bad spot. I thought he was clearly actually past the 30. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. So the the issue I have is more that, you know, he, he in his head is, is, is framing it and, and the way he's talked to the media about it is like, I'm going to be aggressive. This is who we are this year. We're going to try to dictate the way the game goes, which is fine. But, but then he didn't go for it on the fourth down in the fourth quarter with, mm-hmm. where, where Joe Mixon doesn't get it on fourth, third and four. He gets one yard. And, and for one, you know, if you know you're going to punt the ball, I, I would be in favor of a high percentage throw there, even a shot play, yeah. like even take a shot. Right. Cause, cause I've said no, a number of times now when they were running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, the Vikings are selling out to stop the run there. You throw in one shot play. You think about it. They, the, the play that uh, Joe Burrow missed to Mike Thomas, that was three runs and a pass on that drive before they did that, uh, you know, play action toss boot to the right. And it, and it worked a hundred percent worked. The, the defense sold out on the run. Joe Burrow, nobody was chasing him in the open field. He, he has a wide open Mike Thomas. 
and you know he misses a throw. Why not call up another one of those shot plays when you're running the ball and the Vikings are selling out? So where I am is, yes, he made the right decision. It was really the only decision. Very obvious in overtime to go for it there. There's, there's no way you're punting the ball when he chooses no to go for it, and, and they end up doing the, the great play, great play action play to CJ Uzama. Credit them for execution there. But the decision is easy. Where, where I have issue with it is the other time they really should have gone for it is at the end of regulation. And, you know, maybe Minnesota goes down and scores, but, you know, you can set yourself up. And, and this is all kind of shot in the foot, right? When they go run, run, two, you know, big runs, and then mix and get stuffed. And that play right there where mix and get stuffed, I'm thinking like, man, yeah, you're running well, but all it takes is one, and now you're punting. And so that's where I was thinking the shot play could have come in. And because uh, after you, you know, rip off two 10-plus yard runs, the Vikings are, of course, selling out to stop the run. So that's where my issue with some of the decision-making is. But, um, you know, I'm in favor of going for it on fourth down just a little bit more selectively. Yeah, they have to, um, or or in in honor of being fair, because we don't know, and they've downplayed this, but I I do wonder, excuse me, I do wonder if Burrow's ankle, because it it, it seemed like they got super conservative, like, like start of the game conservative there after he gets dinged up. And he said it was his ankle. I don't know, but I, I assume he wasn't lying to me because I asked him straight up after the game, was it your ankle? And so um, I, I do wonder about that because really outside of the throw to Uzama, they were not, not – there was no real downfield anything. And, uh, and that's just not this offense. It's not going to be this offense, I don't think. And so that, that to me is weird, and I do wonder if that impacted things. That is something to talk about. So let's wrap up that conversation about the, the neutral situation passing because there were some interesting numbers that came out about neutral situation passing today across the league. So let's get into that before we dive back into the mailbag and finish things up coming up next. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think we've all been there at, at one point or another over the past couple of years with the world of streaming. Well, we have a solution to get your TV back together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings all of your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, shows in one spot. So no more looking for the remote or buying a new device. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion Get everything together with DirectTV Stream. You can learn more, directtv.com. It's that simple. Go to directtv.com, check out DirectTV Stream. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Built Bar's nine delicious flavors are waiting for you to try them. If you haven't gotten on the Built Bar train yet, I mean, James is patting his biceps on YouTube if you're watching. There's no time like the present. And they've got a flavor for you. Coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everybody. And their limited time flavors like grasshopper cookie or coconut brownie chunk are just fantastic when they come available. If you don't know what you want, you can get a mix box. You'll get two of each of those nine flavors. And not only do they taste great coated in that 100% real chocolate, this is a protein bar, not a candy bar I'm talking about. They're healthy, too, with 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and just 4 grams of sugar. Go over to BuiltBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% 
off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 on that great selection of protein bars at BuiltBar.com. You'll save 15%. James, I mentioned I wanted to continue the discussion about early down pass rate over expected. Really quick before we finish up the mailbag, Computer Cowboy at Ben Baldwin, Ben B. Baldwin on Twitter put out some numbers here. The Bengals, compared to the expected rate of passing the ball, which is based on your down distance, field position, time left in the game, score differential, and win probability, were the pass saddest team in the NFL in week one. Last year, if you looked at this chart, the Bengals in neutral situations were the pass happiest team or were in the top three (laughs) of pass happiest teams in the NFL. This time in week one, the, Be- the Bengals passed the ball 19% of the time, 19% less of the time than a neutral game script would have you believe. And that was obvious to people watching. And uh, one of one of our followers, James, also tweeted me some interesting thoughts. And he, he went back and looked at the, the scoring drives from the game. And on the touchdown drives for the Bengals, they passed the ball in neutral on early downs specifically on early downs. They were passing the ball more than they were running the ball on their drives where they didn't score or their field goal drive. They started by running the ball on early downs more than passing the ball. So you do wonder perhaps how much of this is to do with Joe Burrow and this conservative game plan and, you know, the, the concerted effort to run the ball more, not pass the ball 60 times in a game as Joe Burrow seemed to do all the time last year. But I, I think it's interesting when you look at the results and the results were that they didn't score points when, when they ran the ball in early downs. And this was uh, Mark at M Jones 472 on Twitter, put it together. They threw on 55% of early downs on their touchdown drives. They threw on 26% of early downs on their 10 drives that ended in a field goal or no, no score. So game script has something to do with that. Uh, the, the selection bias has something to do with that. That includes a two-minute drive, and obviously two-minute drives, you're not running the ball as much. But very interesting stuff here when you look at the play selection, and this is something that a lot of fans have been very critical of. For sure, and it was noticeable throughout the game. I mean, from the jump, I think we all were like, man, it's a conservative game plan. We talked about it in the past three shows now. And then towards the end of the game, it was the same thing. And that's it because they had three straight touchdown drives end of the second quarter. What was it? Well, the first drive, I remember Jamar Chase had two receptions, his first two receptions. And then T Higgins has the touchdown catch. The next drive, oh, 50 yarder to Jamar Chase, right? With a nice third of Boyd, I believe, on on one of those. And and so it's like, yeah, the passing game – that's the potential, and I think they were really easing Joe Burrow back. That, that uh, You really can't convince me of anything else. And, and the, really the scary part is is the fact that he took as many hits as he did because they were only th- they only threw it as many times as, as they did, 27. Uh, the good news is is they were more efficient when you look at like yards per attempt, 9.7, career high for Burrow, um, 20 of 27, career high in completion percentage, I believe. For Burrow, and he had a career high in passer rating. If you care about those things, so the the, the good news is is the, you're seeing those marks and high efficiency when he is throwing it uh, versus last year when he had like 300 yards on the 61 um, attempt game. 
the, the problem is, is that they didn't throw it enough. And I don't think that's going to be a problem moving forward. Assuming that ankle and the everything's okay health-wise for Joe, and we have no reason to believe it's not, Zach said he was going to be fine, then uh, if that's the case, then I expect him to throw it more on Sunday against the Bears. Worth pointing out as well, they were really good running the ball. They were having some issues diagnosing where pressure was coming from in the yeah. very confusing fronts that Mike Zimmer presented. Uh, more on that in a little bit. We have a couple of questions on Trey Hopkins we might talk about. And maybe, James, this kind of you listed off Joe Burrow's stat line there and his efficiency. Meanwhile, PFF Seth, who is a really good analyst for PFF, who's pissed off a lot of Bengals fans today, tweeted some disparaging remarks about Joe Burrow's game, saying it was one of the worst games. He actually said it was the worst game he's played in the last two years, which is not true uh, because he played Baltimore last year. But he uh, had some concerns. And Pittsburgh. About Joe oh, Burrow's ahead. game. Yeah, and Pittsburgh. But uh, maybe tomorrow, James, if there's nothing crazy in the news, we, we go ahead and break down Joe Burrow's game in a little bit more detail because while it was very good statistically and there were some things that were really, really good, I also actually can see where Seth is coming from in terms of some of the concerns. I'm not going to go out and call it, you know, the worst game he's played in two years or anything, but we can get into the details and talk about some of the pluses and minuses that maybe we've glossed over a little bit to this point. So we'll see if we have time for that tomorrow before we uh, finish up the mailbag, James, with a couple questions about Trey Hopkins and this offensive line, uh, Kevin Brown. And we've been asked this question quite a bit. Katie Brown, three fifty-seven. James, James, would you like to revise your predictions for the year? All right. I'm going to address everybody, <laughs> everybody on YouTube, everybody that listens to Locked on Bengals. I've gotten it from others uh, on my other YouTube channel, Cincinnati Bengals Talk and Kevin Brown. Uh, I, I don't care if you're Elizabeth Blackburn or Mike Brown or Katie. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is you're right. I picked the Vikings to win and they damn near won. There are going to be times where I get predictions wrong and I might pick the Bengals this week. You know what? Andy Blandy Dalton might kick the Bengals' ass and beat the Bengals. It's possible. It's the NFL. And you know what's not going to happen if I pick the Bengals? And, and Or, heck, if I pick the Bears, which I might do this week, and then the Bears win, I'm not going to show up on Monday and say, see, I told you, and tell everyone. Like, it's just not that. So I'm not bothered by it. I just think it's hilarious that people care that much about my prediction. And it's – Look, Jake doesn't do predictions. I will do them every single week, and I'm not going to stop doing them. But I'll tell you right now, there are going to be Pittsburgh games, Baltimore games, that barring something unforeseen, I'm probably taking those teams. And if the Bengals beat them, it doesn't mean that I regret my pick. It might mean I'm wrong, but I'm going to try to make the best pick at the time. And that's that. And so I hope that settles it. So, no, I'm not going to revise my prediction. It's still 7-10. and 10. They beat the Vikings. I had them beating the Bears. What if they lose to the Bears? Then they're no farther ahead than I predicted at the start of the year. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they're 10-7. and 7. Hell, I hope they're 17-0 and 0 because then we, you know, we'll have so much damn fun covering a historic Bengals team, Jake. But uh, until that happens, uh, I'm going to, to predict wins and losses as I see fit because otherwise – what do you want? You want me to just cheer for the team and put on Bengal stripes? Well, that's not happening. Yeah, I think that's an important clarifying point just to defend my co-host here for a second. Uh, he's a journalist, guys. He's a beat writer covering the Cincinnati Bengals and doing a, the Locked On Bengals podcast with me. I am certainly a, a fan. We're both actually rooting for the team. It's in our interest 
right, for the team to play well because our podcast, frankly, you know, you guys like it a lot more when the Bengals are winning games and they're doing things that are fun. So uh, in that sense, we're, we're both rooting for the team, but you got to remember that, that James is doing his job as, as a professional here. And while I might be a fan, anybody that's been listening to this podcast for a long time knows that I, uh, I don't pull my punches. James, let's get uh, a couple more questions here. We spent a lot of time outside of our mailbag questions, so we'll go a little bit long today. Fitting in a couple extra here at the end. Andrew mm-hmm. at mylife.net would like to know how the coaching staff can protect Joe Burrow from pressure up the middle until Trey Hopkins gets back to speed. And before I let you jump in and talk about Trey Hopkins here, I just want to point out that a lot of the issues the Bengals had on free rushers up the middle were not on Trey Hopkins. They were not on Quentin Spain. They were not on Xavier Suofilo. There were a couple that were on running backs. Joe Mixon went the wrong way on one sack. Uh, there, there were a couple that were just, they slid the protection the wrong way. There's, there's a play that, uh, there's a clip out on YouTube. I retweeted and I was like, Hey, offensive line guys, what, what's going on here? And, and what it seems like is the Bengals slide protection, right? And they have four guys over three on the left. And, and so they slide right. And then you end up with three guys over two on the left. Sorry. When they slide, right. You end up with three guys over two on the left. That means one guy's coming on un- unblocked. And that's a protection call. So that's not on the offensive line. That's, that's a protection call. And so, um, yes, Trey Hawkins had a couple of whiffs and James, I'll let you talk about those and, and we'll see if he does get back up to speed and he's coming off that ACL. But the, the caveat here is the Bengals don't have to play Mike Zimmer again this year. Yeah. There are difficulties identifying where the pass rush is coming from against other teams. They'll play, but Mike Zimmer makes it harder than 95% of NFL defenses to diagnose properly pre-snap. And he got them in a position where they were wrong a couple of times. And, and that's a, a big part of it more than any individual performance. I think Zach Taylor is, it tries to be honest with a lot of what he says to us. And then there are times where he just can't be at, you know, and it's probably a 50, 50 when you're the head coach. Well, after the game, when he said, thank God we got Mike Zimmer in the Vikings out of the way week one, and we were able to get a win. I think that was very accurate in exactly what not only he thought, but the entire coaching staff thought and the entire building thought, because we know how uh, people think, you know, from Mike Brown on down, you know, in that building, think of Mike Zimmer. And so, yeah, I think it was a a challenge. And that's the crazy part about it is, yeah, the, the sack numbers are bad. And the fact that Burrow got dinged up is bad, but that might be a one week thing that happens anyways. And to me, specifically with Trey Hopkins, I would have played him more in the preseason if he was ready to go. I would have played Burrow more in the preseason. So this doesn't happen where it's like, ah, is Trey done? Is he not? Like from a fan perspective. Well, I'll tell you in the building, they still believe in Trey. And this is the week where I think we're going to learn a lot. Does he have those whiffs? Because I don't really remember Trey having many whiffs last year. I, I, I just don't. And we saw two against the bears or against uh, the Vikings. And are we going to see that against the bears? That's what I, that's what I want. If he's just competent, well, then the interior offensive line is probably at a a C minus type level as a whole. And with pretty good tackle play, probably B B plus, if that's what you're getting, which I think is a fair expectation, a reasonable expectation, then your offensive line should be pretty good. So Trey, there's some concern 
And I can't help but think back to all the Austin writers of the world and people like that, where you could bring in a free agent just to help, you know, as, as you're getting Trey Hopkins back as insurance. Well, now you don't have that. And Billy Price wasn't the answer, and they stole B.J. Hill. So I don't want to hear about that. As if you uh, watched our Tuesday show, you saw how much I laughed at the idea of Billy Price not getting in for the Giants. But, uh, yeah, I think Hopkins will be okay. But he's certainly got uh, to iron out some things. In his first game back, it's uh, – it was obviously a struggle at times. The concern is uh, it doesn't get easier until week four. Akeem Hicks with the Bears, Cam Cam Hayward with the Steelers. Like it, it might be an ugly start to the season for Trey. But you know, if he if he's not instantly losing on swim moves to Michael Pierce, you know, the Akeem Hickses of the world, the Cam Haywards of the world, those are hard matchups for Trey. He struggles with size. He struggles with strength. You know, we'll see how he does in in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, you, you hope it gets fixed. And more than that, you hope they get the protection calls sorted out because you can't have free rushers in the A and B gaps. And Mike Zimmer is going to generate those. And you got to find ways to, to try to clean that up and get that sorted pre-snap. And we'll see how that is going forward. We also had some questions about Samaj P. Ryan in the mailbag. We're not going to get to answer today. Uh, some questions about Drew Sample. The only thing that I'll say there is it's a similar answer to Trey Hopkins, right? Like even if those guys had rough games or they're veterans, they've been around. It's one game. Don't over conclude from week one is something that, you know, I'm going to say every every year as long as I'm doing this podcast and we'll see how it is for the next couple of weeks. Right. Just like Jamar Chase. Right. Like small sample size. Ask me in a month. And right now we're, we're not quite to a month yet. We got a couple more weeks, but uh, I'm ready to say, yeah, guys, what what, what are you even doing? freaking out about one game or one preseason series. So we'll see how the next few weeks go for these guys. Maybe Chris Evans gets more reps. Maybe not. We'll get a feel for that. We'll see what direction this coaching staff wants to go. And tomorrow we cross over with Lauren Cox from Lockdown Bears to start getting into that Bears game preview. Looking forward to that one. Until then, Bengals fans, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.